And I mean, like, everyone's trying to tell me their issues, and I'm like, bitch, can you just cue up my drums? Welcome to Rebel Girls Book Club. I'm Harmony. And I'm Maggie. And we're here to take an intersectional, feminist approach to books from all over the spectrum. Bestsellers, we've got you covered. That one book from English class you hated while you read but you can't forget? We've got that too. Comic books, nonfiction, it's all right here. So grab your tea, grab your blanket, and let's get rebellious about your favorite new reads. Wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Hello, listeners. It is Harmony, and I am not here with Maggie today because we are having a different type of episode. This week, Maggie and I were supposed to read Mangoes and Mistletoe by Adriana Herrera, and the subtitle for that is A Foodie Holiday Novella, and we did read it. But because it is the holiday season and life is a little bit crazy, it is just me today, except I have a special guest. Special guest, would you like to introduce yourself to the people? Hi, I'm Kevin. I edit the audio here at Rebel Girls Book Club. I think Harmony wanted me to join in on the song at the start. I I didn't want to join in on the song at the start. She didn't clear it with me before, so I didn't. So today, we're going to have a different sort of episode, kind of a little mini-sode, and we're going to talk about mangoes and mistletoe, mangoes and mistletoe, or I'm going to, very briefly, but I also wanted to talk about the holiday season and holiday media, and if you're a long-time listener, you may know that every holiday season, I spend a lot of time looking for sapphic gay audiobooks, and listeners, I've found them. So before we get started, I just wanted to ask Kevin about the holidays and and what the holidays make him feel. Like, what do you feel when you think of the holidays, Kevin? And I specifically mean winter holidays. I feel sad that I can never recapture the magic of Christmas when I was a kid. Every year I think about it and I keep waiting for that sense of anticipation and joy to kick in and it, it just doesn't. But... I do like hot chocolate and cookies and watching movies with loved ones and tolerated ones. So that makes me happy around the holidays. That's 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 pretty much my my opinion on them. I, I like I like the stuff surrounding them. My mother still insists on getting me Christmas presents, which is nice. It's nice of her. I'm bad at getting presents, so there's a sense of anxiety built in there too. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack with my holiday things, I guess. I like Halloween. So I specifically meant the winter holidays, but thank you, Kevin. I'm going to refrain from turning this into a therapy session. Please don't. (laughs) I'm also going to stop shaking change for your future editing labor, and I'm going to try to stop squeaking my chair. Okay, so yes, the holidays are a time of joy. It's also a time of trying to recapture some sort of magic. You mentioned movies. Do you have any favorite holiday movies? George C. Scott's A Christmas Carol is the one that comes to mind. That one was a favorite when I was a kid. Besides that, 
I do like the old Rankin Bass stop motion claymation animated pictures. Those are fun. I sometimes engage in a little guilty pleasure Hallmark Christmas Christmas magic. Not not Harmony's making a face at me. If you folks could see the face she's making at me, it's not really by choice. Sometimes they're on. I get suckered in. They're very saccharine. I don't know how I feel about them, but I watch them. Wow, that's amazing. I did not know that you watched Christmas Hallmark movies. I also I don't really... watch them. You do. You just said you do. You're mischaracterizing what I said. Okay, I also really like the claymation movies. Those are fun. Why do you think that the holidays seem to go so hand in hand in our media depictions with romance, I wonder? While we're speaking about Hallmark movies, because I love those. I have no earthly idea. I guess because... They'll use anything as an excuse to shoehorn in romance, any kind of theme. They will put a romance to it. The Christmas and the winter holidays are pretty intimate times, I guess. So there's a level of, of romance goes well with it. That's about all I can think of, though. I, I, I really I, I don't know why they're so closely intertwined. I think it might have to do with cuffing season, too. I think we're naturally, during these cold months, more inclined to get intimate, I think, and, and cuddly. And it's a nice idea to be snuggled with someone during the cold months. And it's the idea, too, of chosen family a little bit. Romance kind of falls into that because you're choosing somebody or m- multiple people to share some sort of intimacy and love with. Kevin made such a face. What was that? I burped. And it was a doozy. That's gross. You asked! (laughs) Anyway, so the name of this episode is Have a Big Gay Holiday. And I think that this is fantastic. Not only because I came up with it, but because during the holiday season, Christmas kind of reigns supreme especially in Western countries, for a lot of reasons. And I love Christmas as much as the next holiday fiend, but it is Christmas. And I think that stories about gayness during this time feel both fantastic and nice escapism, and it's always nice to have representation when you're consuming media, but also a weird, cool subversion Fuck you, Christmas! Fuck you, Christ! We're going to be gay! Am I supposed to respond to that? I don't don't have any strong opinions on... uh, I mean, yeah, there's... I I like Christmas. It's it's fine. I, I, I I don't disagree with you. I don't agree with you. There's a lot of... A lot of vigor there. I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you about the wholesome stuff, you know. I agree with you. Yeah, representation is is great. And those Hallmark movies are white as hell and straight as hell. And it could stand. Well, there was that one Kristen Stewart movie, right? 
Was she gay in that? I. What movie? Oh, Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart Hallmark movie. Or yeah, not Hallmark, but there was. It was Hulu. Yes, she was gay in that, but I maintain that that is kind of a copycat movie of another Thanksgiving movie about a lesbian. But it's okay because we love Kristen Stewart. They're all copycat movies. I promise you, they're all copycat movies. And the ones that aren't are the craziest things you've ever seen in your life. It's, it's true. We're at the bottom of the idea barrel on those. Okay, so I'm going to talk now about gay holiday romance novels, specifically ones that have audiobooks, starting with Mangoes and Mistletoe. So this is a fantastic book. It takes place in Edinburgh, which is really fucking cool because that is a really cool Scottish city and Scotland and Christmas is just a really nice fantasy. And it stars two Dominican-Americans who meet each other while they are on this cooking show and they have to cook together. And there's also an incredibly delicious amount of sex, which I think for when I read romance novels, there's usually at least two sex scenes. And that's really nice, but this one has like 10 sex scenes and it's a novella, so it's almost bordering on erotica. And I I like that that's paired with Christmas. Kevin, do you have any thoughts based off of this description? It sounds like you read an erotic novel, an erotic Christmas novel. I've never read an erotic novel, and I've never read a romance novel. Well, romance... I don't read many books. I know, it's awful that you edit this podcast. <laughs> it's a little... Folks, it's a little awful that... I read a lot. I read, like, articles. I read uh, a, lot of, a lot of shit posts on the internet, actually. I don't read many books. I will say the romance and erotica genres are very closely linked. And I think, I can't speak necessarily for Maggie, but I know for me as somebody who's only just recently gotten into romance, my experience with the romance genre might be different than hardcore romance fans who are reading like those tiny paperbacks with the shirtless men on them. And I think that perhaps there might I don't know. Maybe we're losing the erotica. Romance readers, send send me your thoughts. But there was this was very erotic and very sexy, and I loved it, and it had food, and so that was nice. And it, it kind of starred a very socially awkward, maybe autistically coded woman who... So it, it had this grumpy sunshine thing who who is opposite of this very bouncy, bubbly protagonist, too. So that's kind of cool. Gay, autistic, Dominican women deserve their Christmas erotica novels as well. And I think that is beautiful and extremely niche, but well-deserved. So bravo to whoever wrote this. You, you, you picked a story, you went for it. And it sounds like it came out good, I assume. Harmony's nodding. Oh, she's got a big smile on her face. She's nodding real big. Okay. Came out good. Good job. I've never read the book, but it sounds great. I'm never going to read it, but it sounds great. <laughs> okay, so next up, 
So that was my first holiday romance read. Next up was Kiss Her Once for Me by Alison Cochran. This is a fantastic novel with one of the cutest romances I've ever seen. It stars a demi-bi girl, love my bisexual representation, who finds this beautiful lesbian himbo, essentially. Golden Retriever lesbian, I guess, is more accurate. Who finds this Golden Retriever lesbian one Christmas during a snowstorm, I think in Portland, and they have the most fantastic magical time, and then all of the sudden things fall apart. And so our protagonist, after this this 24 hours with this lesbian, starts a webcomic about her experience, and it blows up online, and she also is going through a lot of life stuff involving work, and so she starts working at a coffee shop and is sad and miserable. Then, somebody, this rich guy, this rich guy who happens to own the building to her coffee shop, comes in, asks her out on a date, and she goes with him because he's super hot and rich, and... They're talking, and he's like, hey, so in order to get my inheritance from my dead grandpa, I need to marry somebody. And so they drunkenly agree to get married, and she's going to spend the holidays with his family. And she does. But then, guess who his sister happens to be? Can you guess, Kevin? It's, I'm gonna say it's the woman from the beginning. Golden Retriever lesbian, yes. That's the one. And chaos ensues, and it's fantastic. And one of the ma- one of the things I really love about this book is the run-through, even though I listened to it via audio, so I didn't have any visual elements, is how detailed it gets about the webcomic and the many references to Alison Bechdel. And I think that it's I think it just builds in good visual literacy references. And I love that our protagonist is so dedicated to her art. And I love that it's kind of dealing with capitalist themes in this holiday romance world. Because one of my favorite parts of watching Hallmark movies is this idea that I can leave my, you know, big city job and go follow my dreams in this beautiful, quirky community. Kevin, do you have any response to all of that? I have a few thoughts on this, actually. One, I love the name. The name is extremely cute. I like the name very much. Two, there is certainly a hefty dose of Christmas magic at play here, because I don't think a webcomic has blown up since 2006. Three, why is it, if I'm reading a cute, comfy, cozy Christmas romance, why does there need to be conflict? Can't I just have a romance that there's no obstacles, there's no no drama, just two people meet and have a good time together and go home? It, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound nice? Why can't I have that story? Because that story is boring. I'm sorry, Kevin. And the next the next romance novel we'll talk about, The Holiday Trap, has significantly less conflict and all of the conflict gets resolved in really wholesome ways. But if we're going to read a story, we're we're putting effort in to consume a story, we want there to be a plot. And if there's no conflict, there's no plot. No, I disagree. Why can't I just get a story where a bunch of nice people who like each other 
sit around and talk to each other and have pleasant conversation, maybe cook dinner and enjoy each other's company. And then fade to black, credits roll. Are you talking about your your volleyball slice of life anime weeb show that you tried to show me? I'm not. I'm not. But that's a good example of what I'm looking for. No conflict. No drama. Just having a good time. That's what I want. Okay, well, people are flawed. And the world doesn't exist without conflict. And one of the things that I love about this year's batch of holiday novels is the way that people end up resolving their conflicts, right? All of these romances, people have conflicts simply by being people, right? It's very realistic. It's, I assume things, or I think I'm unlovable for some reason, or I have this perspective on the world, or I'm I'm carrying family trauma, right? That's a big theme in The Holiday Trap, which is our next novel, by Roan Parrish. So The Holiday Trap is a fantastic novel told from two perspectives. One is a woman who lives in Maine with her family who is a little bit overbearing. She's got a lot of sisters and it starts off with her mom trying to, her mom signs her up for an auction, a town auction, for you auction off women for dates. And it's supposed to be this cute holiday Christmas tradition. But it really pisses off our main character, who is a lesbian. And Jewish. It sounds a little messed up, auctioning off women for dates. That sounds... Yeah. Well, hands made tailsy. Yeah, it does sound a little messed up. Things like this still exist, though. I think it's supposed to be a cute little people volunteer. But she got signed up and coerced into this. And the other person is a man living in New Orleans who just found out that his boyfriend of a year has a family and a husband. And the... Yes, go ahead, Kevin. I apologize. I made a face when Harmony said, has a family, has a a husband, etc. Because for a moment when she said that, I thought to myself... Of course he does. We all come from somewhere, but then it sort of clicked. It's not it's not an intelligent commentary on the book, but Yes, I should have been more clear. Has a, has a secret husband and secret family. They both happen to have this fairy godmother like friend who is a witch and gives great advice and who I totally see myself in. <laughs> who arranges for them to swap houses for a month during the holiday season. So our main girl goes to New Orleans. Our main guy goes to this tiny island in Maine. And it's beautiful. They both find romances. They're both very gay romances. And we learn to work through people's trauma, dealing with their family, both of both of whom have some sort of family issues, even though they're in relatively healthy family relationships. The girl's main love interest has a relationship with her mom that word for word mirrored mine. And I was like, wow, I I feel so seen. And everyone kind of works through their collective trauma together. They also figure out their passions together. I don't want to spoil the book for you, but they they figure out what they want to contribute to the world and how they can do that while still making money. And 
it's just beautiful. And I'm just going to say it now. One of the delightful things that I've come across with this season's reading of holiday gay romance novels, there's a lot of just kind of peppered in. Like, this is not the point because we're in a fantasy realm, right? Where everything is cozy and delicious and wonderful and romantic. But just peppered in, there's a lot of comments about, oh yeah, and capitalism sucks, by the way. Which I just find so, so refreshing and delightful because Christmas is over-commercialized and the holiday season is over-commercialized. And it's nice to remind ourselves why we read these romances and it's because we live in a failing system where we don't feel like we get to spend enough time with family or our loved ones or appreciate the gifts of the world and nature and, you know, our quirky little communities. So that's very refreshing, and it's it's just a very good book. Kevin, do you have any thoughts? Now that's a Yuletide critique that I can get behind. Christmas is way too commercialized, down with capitalism, burn the whole gosh darn system, and keep it PG here, folks. Burn it all to the ground. The idea, abruptly shifting off that point, the idea of a Freaky Friday flip between a gay man and a lesbian woman is the funniest thing I've ever heard. I get that that's not really what the book is, but that popped into my head as you were talking, and it made me laugh very hard. Can you clarify for me? You say they swapped locations. One went to Maine, one went to New Orleans. You said a witch was involved. Was this was this magic, or was this a vacation? Did they use some sick time and some vacation days and just change states? This is a fantasy. So the book does kind of explain it. The man works from home. He's an accountant. And he actually gets a lot of free time when it's not tax season. And the girl, I think, works for her parents. So... Yeah, I don't know where she gets her money or <laughs> how, but it's a vacation. It's Yeah, it sounds like you don't need a a witch's magic involved in this. No, she's a real world witch. So it's not it's not fairy godmother like that, but she does throughout the novel give they're not described as horoscopes, but she gives little vignettes that she texts each of them that happen to predict their the course of action. And it does feel a little, she's, she's placed as a fairy godmother. And it's kind of, it's not, she's, it's, it's mentioned a couple of times that she is a practicing witch. It's not like magic wand magic. It's real world, lots of people, lots of young people, lots of young gay people, even though this character isn't gay, practice witchcraft magic. But it, it, this sounds, this sounds less like a romance fantasy and more like a fantasy of someone who really wanted their horoscope reading to be useful for once. I don't know if that's too spicy for your audience, but that's what this book reads like to me. My horoscope reading and my tarot readings especially are useful, Kevin. Did you write this book? Yes, I loved this book. Did you write this book? Oh, did I write it? No, Roan Parrish wrote it. Is that a pen name for you? No. <laughs> I wish Roan I Parrish wrote this Roan Parrish is an book. anagram of Harmony Birch. It's not. It doesn't have an H. I'll have to double check that after the recording session. And Harmony Birch doesn't have a P. 
or an S. Can someone with a degree in in English literature? Parish does have an I? H, actually, but I don't have S's or P's in my name. I only have one R. No, I do have two R's. It's not an anagram. Neither one of us has degree. We can't. We're we're not qualified to make this. Call. I have a degree in English language literature. I. You're biased. Okay. Maybe Maggie will listen to this episode and weigh in. She also has a degree in English language literature. Anyway, The Holiday Trap, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Next book is a YA novel. And I'm not done reading it. I actually just started. But it's called How to Excavate a Heart. And it is a holiday romance about a... It's kind of like new adult YA. It's about a young woman who is in her freshman year of college and she's going... She's home from freshman... She's home for the holiday break. And she goes to... Instead of spending the holidays with her mom in her apartment, she goes to D.C. to intern at the Natural History Museum because she's really into bones and dead fish and fossils. And... She starts the book off having recently broken up with her very first girlfriend, who she met freshman year of college, and they broke up right after they had sex for the first time. And then she ends up meeting this floofy-haired, very grumpy girl who is also in D.C., not by choice because of a custody agreement with her mom and dad, who is also a freshman in college, and uh, a romance forms. And that's all I know so far. But I'm including it because it's gay, it's an audiobook, uh, in addition to a print book. And I like the new adult representation there because teenagers and all children like to read a little bit older than themselves. So great, great for that age group. And because it has also mentioned capitalism 20 times (laughs) in the the first few chapters. It's actually a very, it seems very liberal to me, but I, I like that at least the liberals are conscious of the fact that capitalism sucks. So I'm here for it. I'm happy. We're having a happy time. I love the Christmas magic of fossils and paleontology. Did you mention Christmas once in that? Did I did I miss it? No, so it's it's the holiday break and actually our protagonist is Jewish and believes that Hanukkah is a capitalist, you know, Christian hegemony thing because she she says in the book and this is almost a word for word quote that it was made up so that non-Christian children could participate in the capitalists thing or whatever. Is that true? I don't know. That's what the book said, though. I did not fact check that. So people who know, let us know. I refuse to fact check. So how old the the, the, the main character here? How old is she? What age? What? 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 She's a freshman in college. I'm not sure. I know that the protagonist or not the protagonist, the love interest is only 17. But she's also a freshman in college. So. Okay. Because well because you said that her first girlfriend was all they had met freshman year of college. Yes. So they met they so it's very fresh. They met during orientation and then broke up right before break, right after they had sex. 
And our protagonist thinks it's because the sex was bad. Was it? I don't know yet. Maybe that's the third act twist. Another thing that I love about these books is the theme of old people in them. There are a lot of really comfy old people, and there's a lot of focus in all of these books. There's a lot of focus on intergenerational friendships, which isn't something I read too much about and is a really comfy, cozy theme. And in some books, like The Holiday Trap, there's even they even go into the impact of intergenerational friendships and cite real-world data about why this is good for people who are older and people who are younger. And I don't know, that feels that feels very powerful to me because I think I mean I I have a grandmother right now who you know, is in assisted living because we don't have anyone who is capable of taking care of her. And it's, it is a, it's just a sad experience. It's, we don't have anything in our culture that helps, that, that supports the fact that we all get old and start to lose the ability to, you know, work and, and be productive in the same way that we used to, right? But these intergenerational friendships are great because, we get to see the value of, of growing old, and it gives places in society for people to be old, because that's just a natural thing that happens to all of us. We are intergenerational friends, even. So it's, it is it is applicable to Kevin, to we're two years apart. We don't count. And you're a millennial, and I am the first of the Zoomers. Yeah, we but are intergenerational. I'm, I'm talking about people who are 70 plus being friends with people who are 20. Sometimes that is what it feels like. You're right. You do act just like you are 85 quite often. Harmony, you send me the most boomer TikToks I've ever seen in my life. I haven't sent you a TikTok in months. Because I kept calling you out on how boomer they were. because I don't have time to look at TikTok recently. My TikToks are not boomer. They're just gay. Very rude. Very you rude. send boomer TikToks. I'm done with you. All this right, well, that's all, those the... are all of the recommendations I've got. I'm sorry that my beautiful big gay holiday has turned into a fight battle court ring, fight ring. I think that story sounds great. I, it seems maybe tenuously related to the holidays, besides being over holiday break. But I also, I love the idea of intergenerational friendships. I I think those are underrepresented in, in, in media and in culture. Well, I like can seeing we ta- them. Can we talk about... I'm so sorry for interrupting you, Kevin. <laughs> can we talk That's about... That's not necessary. Can we talk about like what we mean by the holidays? I mean, obviously, there's the idea of celebration. But for me, I know, right? And maybe this has a little bit to do... I currently work in a very heavily Catholic community. And so... I've been thinking more about religious religion and spirituality, but I'm someone who celebrates Christmas like a lot of people, not just because not not for Christ, but because I love you know the idea of being with friends and family and and joy in cold months. And for me, I think what makes a holiday book is these themes of joy while it's physically very cold out because. The cold, as I'm experiencing it right now, I don't know if Kevin's experiencing it because he's never really cold. And also, I'm not. 
he doesn't have to leave the house as frequently. But, like, the cold is really disheartening. The cold is so disheartening. It's so sad. But you know what's nice? Being able to make warmth and and, and drinking warm drinks together and, and cuddling and pretty lights. Pretty lights are really nice. So, to me, that's what constitutes holiday is warm and joy during the cold months. And I will read anything that has warm and joy during the cold months and consider it a holiday book, so. Harmony, is that an air conditioner in the window behind you? It is. It's not on, but it lives there. Is it yours? Are you allowed to take it out? Are we supposed to take it out? Yeah. There's no insulation. Oh. You have an open window in the middle of winter. Oh, that makes sense as to why our landlord raptors because she has it too but she put wrapping paper over it even that's you you got to take it out of the window and shut the window because the the window is insulated the the ac is just has little little paper flaps wind gets in through it it's it's crazy well it's not cold all the time here sometimes it's really hot because we don't control our heating and so yeah but then you open the window you don't leave the ac in. you don't leave the ac in i took the ac out of my window it warmed up in my room by 10 degrees on average. What if, if it gets more. too hot in our bedroom? Then you open the window. Because you want it to be cold when you go to bed. Then you crack the window. Mm. There's the, I don't know why you're making a skeptical noise. It's not. I'm not giving you bad information. You take the AC out in the winter because you, you're losing insulation, especially when it gets windy. It just blows right through it. And then if you get hot, th- then you just crack the window. Huh. You don't, you don't, are you saying that you put the AC on? No, 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 we don't put it on. We just have it in the window. You should take it out of the window. I'm going to talk to Matt about that. It is, you know what? It is getting rusty, which I was concerned about. Well, what the holidays mean to me (laughs) is finding ways to beat the cold. Whether that be cuddling up with a loved one under a warm blanket over a hot cup of cocoa. Or taking my goddamn air conditioner out of my goddamn window. (laughs) Either one works. Either one is in the spirit of the holidays. I'm an atheist. I don't celebrate Christ. I don't celebrate Christmas properly, or at least the supposed tradition of it. I enjoy spending time with my loved ones. And taking my goddamn air conditioner unit (laughs) out of my window. (laughs) All right, folks. Next episode, I think that we are talking about our favorite books of 2022. And Maggie will be here instead of Kevin. So look out for that. That's that's going to be fun. I give good advice. I deserve <laughs> to be here. All right. That's all for now. Bye. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher app. You can support this podcast by going to anchor.fm slash RGBC and clicking the support this podcast button. Our episode schedule can be found in our show notes or by going to our website, rebelgirlsbook.club and clicking read along with the show. You can follow us at RGBCpod on Instagram at rebelgirlsbookclub on Facebook at Rebel Girls Book One on Twitter, and you can email us at rebelgirlsbookclub at gmail.com. Our theme song is called Pretty.
pretty boys make me feel ugly. And it's by The Gaze. See you soon, and remember to read rebelliously.